Hey, what's up, everyone? This is episode 012, Ferris Wheel. Let's take this for a spin. One, two, three, go! Welcome to the Design Your Thinking Podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey everyone, welcome to the very first Ferris Wheel episode on the Design Your Thinking podcast and this is me, Karthik. Back in my first episode, episode 000, I talked about my experiments with newer formats for the podcast, if you remember. Today, I'd like to introduce you to the Ferris Wheel, the new kid in the block out here on the Design Your Thinking podcast. If you've heard, seen, or been on the London Eye on the South Bank of River Thames in London, or the Singapore Flyer in Singapore, or the High Roller on the Las Vegas Strip, you probably know what the Ferris Wheel is. Having been on all three of them, the experience of being in a Ferris Wheel has always been so unique. Each of these Ferris Wheels have been an experience in itself and has given me uh, so much of a different perspective of the, of the place around. Ferris Wheel, as an episode on the Design Your Thinking podcast, is indeed designed to give you a unique experience that has been validated and documented by an expert, Tim Ferris. For those of you who don't know Tim Ferris, you may probably think he is the one who created the Ferris Wheel. No, he just happens to share the same name. The Ferris Wheel episode on the Design Your Thinking podcast is inspired by Tim Ferriss' book, The 4-Hour Chef. In this book, Tim talks about learning anything by deconstructing the mind and thinking of experts. He uses a set of seven questions to deconstruct or decode the mind of any expert from basketball coaches to actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger to uh, investors like Warren Buffett. The belief here is that if you are able to decode, extract, and put to practice the fundamentals that these experts use to excel at what they do, you should be able to replicate the expert's success too. He has tried doing this on himself and has documented his experience learning and doing a lot of things that you know one of us could not imagine doing at all. In the Ferris Wheel episodes on the Design Your Thinking podcast, we'll try and decode and extract the minds of experts in the product world. This series of episodes will help you pick and choose practices, techniques, and many more from influencers and experts to be your best at what you want to do as a product maker. If that sounds interesting... I'm so super excited to introduce you to this format and uh, super stoked to, you know, really introduce you to the first guest on the Ferris Wheel. The first interview on the Ferris Wheel is split across two episodes, this one and episode 013, as the guests I'm about to introduce seem to enjoy this ride and we spun the wheel a little longer. Before I went on to introduce today's guest, I'd like to give some love to today's sponsor, ConvertKit. I wrote an ebook back in the February of 2016 and switched to ConvertKit from another email provider. Having hosted my ebook in Gumroad, I found 
ConvertKit's integration with Gumroad, the autoresponders and sequences, automation triggers are so very helpful in segmenting my audience and also growing an audience from literally zero to over a thousand in less than four months. ConvertKit's integration with Zapier and the extended integration with tools like UserWise, Trello, Asana and many other product and project management and customer feedback apps makes it the best email tool for product managers and makers. Go to designyourthinking.com slash convertkit to sign up and get the first month free for being a Design Your Thinking podcast listener. Start to engage with your users and customers like never before. Again, it's designyourthinking.com slash C-O-N-V-E-R-T-K-I-T. Our guest today believes you can create successful products and businesses by focusing on happiness. Yeah, you helped me right. Happiness as a broad beacon metric, so to speak. Sounds interesting to me. I mean, it sounded very interesting to me. He is a recovering digital agency founder, co-founded the Happy Startup School as a backlash against the prevailing startup culture of high growth and fast exits. In less than three years, this has grown into a 100,000 strong grassroots movement, having built their reputation on a series of game-changing events and programs. Let's welcome Lawrence McCahill. Lawrence, welcome to the show. Thank you, Karthik. I'm glad to be here and uh, yeah, look forward to sharing some of what I know and reaching out to some of your audience. Great. Uh, let's jump right into uh, the show. So you've been running a school for startups for the last four years. Where When I go to your website, the one thing that shows up so prominently is this one phrase which says, make happiness your business model. Lawrence, mm-hmm. could you tell us a quick story behind the Happy Startup School and what you do? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, hi, everyone. Um, so, yeah, I'm Lawrence. I'm one of the founders. Um, so, I set up the, the startup school with a, an old school friend of mine. And uh, as you've alluded to, we used to run an agency together, a digital agency. So, um, in, in terms of um, answering that question, happiness is your business model. For us, that was always a key driver to what we were doing when we were in business was actually to make us happy and you know not being ashamed to say we went into business to have control of our lives you know autonomy over the work we do and being able to have that freedom that you have when you run your own business but often lots of people we meet and uh, it still happens people uh, start companies for different reasons and often uh, lose sight of why they started in the first place so for us it was always really key to be true to the vision of what we're trying to do, not just for ourselves, i.e. trying to make us happy, but also trying to create an impact on the people we work with. And as a designer, I was always interested, I think a bit like you, in terms of creating value and creating value for the people we were designing the products for. So to me, that's about happy customers, right? You want to create things that impact people and ideally make their life better, simpler, you know, uh, easier. And through that, create connection with them and and ultimately for them to then spread the word about what you're doing and and share it and tell other people too. And uh, that's what we found is if you place happiness at the heart of your business, it's not easy because it's easy sometimes to just follow the the money route. But if if you place happiness and really true to what you're doing and why you're doing it, then we found that it's a great business model because it spreads, you know, almost karma. You know, it's, it's like a, a river flowing you know people do the hard work for you marketing your product and so a happy startup school we've 
built a framework and a, um, a community really of people who believe in this uh, way of doing business, but also we have tools, resources, and uh, all sorts of techniques that can help people on that journey because it's, like I said, an unconventional route, but one we think is much more rewarding and purposeful in the long term. Nice. Uh, in, in fact, I came across the Happy Startup Canvas when I was researching about the Lean Canvas for my interview with Ash Moria, which is in episode 007. Interestingly, I found the triangular depiction of a business model to be pretty intriguing and interesting. So, Lawrence, can you talk a little bit about the Happy Startup Canvas itself and uh, perhaps how we could use it as product makers? You know, because many of my listeners are probably aware of the Lean Canvas by Ash Moria and the Business Model Canvas by Alex um, Osterwalder, if I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> can, you, can we use the Happy Startup Canvas in conjunction with the other two canvases? <clears throat> so actually, we, um, we were probably for a couple of years using Ash Moria's Lean Canvas in our, in our workshop. So just going back a little bit before we set up the Happy Startup School, the agency we were running was a digital agency. So we would design and build products that people wanted us to build. And more often than not, those were first-time entrepreneurs who had a great idea or sometimes not so great idea, but wanted to have a, a ready-made team to take that forward. So essentially we're the outsourced team, but we were working with them quite closely at that early stage. And we started to use um, some of the Lean Startup methodology to really help people to road test their ideas before we actually built anything. And so we used the Lean Canvas as a way to really quickly try and break down someone's vision into a bit more detail. And then from there, we could then start to explore what are the you know, MVPs or prototypes we could create to actually validate those ideas. Um, and we used that for a while, like I said, but I think we've kind of got to the point where we found some of the Lean Startup uh, methodology quite... Um, I won't say cold, but it really focuses on the mechanics of the business. You know, is it going to work? What's the business model? Is there a demand for it? Which I think is, you know, still needed when you're trying to test an idea out. And I think for me as a designer and the people we were trying to create an impact with, it's really understanding the human element too. You know, how can you balance moving fast, but also creating creating an impression with your customers? And this is, a, I suppose, the journey we've been on is trying to explore this idea of Purpose and profit, you know, how can you create something that's really purposeful, that connects with people, but also is sustainable and, and helps you reach your financial targets too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's where the, the Happy Startup Canvas kind of evolved really from was there's elements of the Lean Canvas we used at the beginning, which uh, we didn't use the whole thing. In the first workshop we do with people, we tend to focus on the problem, the customer and the solution. As a kind of, you know, we call it the mean canvas, you know, a smaller version of that, which is a, um, a segment of it, which I think is really key because you're looking at problems, who you're solving these problems for, and what solutions are you proposing to solve those problems. And those things change depending on the customer segment. So if you're focusing on one of one the audience, the problems might be different than another audience. Um, and that was one aspect of what we were doing. But then from our perspective of trying to design a product and even create a brand and a story, we found that sometimes the lean framework fell down because it was just focused on the idea and not focused on the drivers for the idea or the the story behind it. And so that's why we started to ask why more and started to really probe these founders about why they were starting, what they were starting, what was, what was behind it. And often that would uh, create some tension with people because they weren't prepared for that. But more often than not, it came up with some great responses because people then tell the story behind the idea, how it came about. And what we found was actually 
you know, most people who start things are, are starting it from a place of, of need. They you know they need to bring this out into the world. And once you really tap into that, then you can bring out all sorts of great um, ammunition and evidence for, you know, a strong story for your brand and really understand the vision behind it. And so that's where um, the top part of our, our, our pyramid, the canvas, uh, Happy Style Canvas came in was looking at the, like I said, the human side. So, you know, what try- change are you trying to make in the world? Um, what are the values trying to drive this um, product and business? You know, because these are the things that differentiate from other people. And that's what we found is that story, that vision is the thing that will differentiate from any other product. You know, anyone can copy what you do. They can't copy, you know, why you do it and how you do it sometimes. So, yeah, for us, it's a point of difference. But also we feel it brings some authenticity to what you're trying to do. Interesting. Um, you know, like I said, I I'm so f- I was so fascinated by this whole um, happy startup canvas because of that one reason because I've seen a lot of startups uh, you know there is that there is this whole trend for raising capital and this whole purpose thing I think brings in a lot of um, you know it, it brings a very valid question why do you want to do what you don't want to do is it mm-hmm. to raise money or do you want to you know address a bigger cost great yeah. Great. So um, let's move on. Uh, you you come from this interesting, you know, thinking and mindset that believes in happiness as a business model. Mm-hmm. So let's for a moment go and deconstruct your mindset, if you will, in mm-hmm. the next few minutes. I have seven questions in the next uh, few minutes that we have in this interview. Uh, and I call this the Ferris wheel. It's not the Ferris wheel that we all know about. Uh, it's this is this one is inspired by Tim Ferriss's experiments in his book, The Four Hour Chef. So, without much ado, let's get rolling. Mm-hmm. So, the first one is: Who, in your mind, are the most unorthodox product or startup people, and why do you think they are the most unorthodox people? And what do you think about them? Great question. Um, so I think back to what inspired us when we were running the agency, when we were trying to look at companies who did things differently. And at the time, Basecamp, 37 Signals stood out for us as a, a role model for how to start a business and how to do it in a way that's not just, like you said, focused on chasing the, the funding, chasing the exit. Um, so maybe they're less unorthodox these days because they're, they're pretty well known worldwide. But I think at the time, when they wrote uh, one of their first books, I think it was Getting Real. Uh, for us, it was just a really refreshing um, outlook on how to start not just a product business, any business, and, and how to do it in a way that reduces waste, but also you know creates real value for the founders and also the people that it impacts. So I would say, yeah, Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen were were um, people who we looked to through their blog, Signal Without uh, Signal versus Noise. For, for years really um, and I think it's because of the way they did things the, the opinions they had about how you should how you should build products and not being too sort of wishy-washy about trying to please everyone but having a very strong opinion about how these things should work and they still to this day I think you know stand against the, the Silicon Valley mindset that you know the reason to start a business is to sell it which I think is ludicrous um, so yeah I spoke to David uh, earlier this year did an interview with him and he was really refreshing in his outlook that you know trying to change the narrative around startups and focused on, like you said, products and, and value and don't worry too much about the money because if you focus on creating a great product, then the money will take care of itself, which is what we firmly believe in. Um, so yeah, those, those are the ones that immediately come to mind. Um, but then I said, because I come from a design background, I would say um, 
you know, there's there's lots of people within our industry who are doing great work but not not so well known. So I think that's the other thing is you're always inspired by people who aren't the, you know, um, people who are on the front, front page of TechCrunch, but people who are just getting on with their work and being part of a team, you know, who are killing it in a different way. So, yeah, we're always looking to, I suppose, different places for inspiration and where we can, you know, what we can learn from other people. Awesome. In fact, I love Basecamp. I love the company, the people, what they do and what they stand for too. So you talked about lots of other people doing great work towards the end. Who you think yeah. are the most impressive, lesser known teachers in the product and startup space? And why? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, see, I, I think for me, I've to some extent, I, I wouldn't say I've moved away from the product space, but I'm, I'm, I look for... Um, and maybe I don't even look for, you know, I come across and they, they find us people who are challenging convention. And I think that's the thing that really warms me to people is people who are really challenging the way things work and constantly doing that, not just accepting the status quo. So um, the trouble is when someone, so Basecamp's a good example, you know, they were very different and going against the grain, but then they become the, the the big guys and then everyone starts to hate them. A bit like Apple now, you know, everyone's now picking on Apple because they're the they're the uh, the Microsoft of the world these days. Um so so yeah, I'm always looking at not necessarily people in the product space, but people who can mentor and add value to the community that we're building. And often it's not people who are making products, but people who are um working with leaders who are, you know, getting them to change their mindset, a bit like you're talking about. Um, you know, in the product space, I look at people like Des Trainer, who's um, behind Intercom, Intercom.io. He's got a great blog. Um, uh, I think Ash Moria, you've talked about in the past. He's not, he's pretty well known, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think there's lots of other people, like I said, closer to home in our town. So we're based in Brighton in the UK, about an hour from London. And there's lots of people who are doing really sort of great work. Um, and what we actually find is a lot of the people who are creating great products are so busy doing that that they're not able to or don't even have the time to be so vocal about it. So, you know, they're not out there blogging or doing podcasts or speaking at conferences. They're just mm-hmm. quite quietly sort of, you know, yeah. killing it with their products. And that's the interesting thing is for us trying to get out those stories of people who are, um, you know, doing great work but maybe aren't the sort of people who are comfortable shouting about it so um so yeah i think there's pockets all over the the world that i think are really interesting in that oh yeah i have to admit with you on the last point that you made um great so desk trainer ash maria great choices uh mm-hmm. let's shift the focus to you Lawrence. what makes you different from other entrepreneurs and makers you know who are the other people that have influenced you mm-hmm. the most uh so I think first off, I don't. I would say I'm different in that I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur, um, even though maybe the, the stuff I've done shows that I am. But I, I think part of the reason I think Happy Startup School has, has captured people's imagination is it's a, a community of people who wouldn't consider themselves entrepreneurs in any other setting. You know, they're, they're just people who care about what they do, and as a result, they're they're doing some great work. So um, I think that's the first thing is I wouldn't put myself in that category of. And again, this comes down to labels and what we mean by labels. But often when you think of entrepreneur, most people attach that to, you know, quite ruthless, quite um, uh, money hungry. And I think that's something that 
we're trying to change the mindset of, but equally when you, when you have those labels, they, those can be quite damaging too. So, um, yeah, I think of myself as more as just someone who's, who loves making, like you said, a maker and through that, by doing stuff that you care about, you really hope it has an impact on people, but really more than anything, you're doing it, doing it for yourself and doing it for the, the buzz you get out of, you know, creating something that you, that you think is worthwhile. And then through that, you know, hope that other people care too. But there's lots of things we created before we came up with the Happy Startup School that we thought were were pretty good, but no one else sort of agreed. So uh, I think we had a chat before about some of your uh, sort of mini failures along the way. But for me, that's all part of the journey, right? As you, um, you know, trying things out and through that process, you might stumble upon something. And the Happy Startup School is a great example of us just, um, you know, putting something out in the world that we, we believed in and actually didn't expect that it would ever sort of get to where it has to today. Um, in terms of who influenced us, I think, like I said, when we were running the agency, when we started out, we were always looking at um, which companies did things differently. You know, what companies could we learn from, not just in the tech or the product space, but just company culture generally. And um, I remember when we first started, there was a, an agency in, in London called St. Luke's. It was a, a design agency. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the first companies that I saw. And this must have been 15 or more years ago. Um, they, ran, they wrote a book about their approach to, you know, employee um, you know, the ways they engage with their employees, the way they dealt with clients. And it was very creative, very transparent, very innovative at the time. And they gave their staff a lot of freedom. Um, so that was one. Another one I would say is a guy called Ricardo Semler, you may have heard of, um, who's, who um, inher- inherited a company called Semco in Brazil. And he's, um, he's done a couple of TED Talks since about his approach to business and now the education system. But again, very... Um, open in the way he runs his company, um, democratically run. So he gives a lot of ownership to the people who are working in the company. So I think the people that inspired me were people who um, really found that balance of, of work and life. And I think that's always something that's really difficult, particularly with something you really care about. Um, and I think Ricardo Sim has got a great book called Seven Day Weekend, where he talks mm-hmm. about um, how he almost... Um, hired his way out of his company, you know, he employed some great people, gave them a ton of responsibility and autonomy and actually ended up causing more mischief by being around than he, than he was um, helping them. And I think he had a great line in that book, which was, you know, we're great at working late on a Sunday night, you know, working to burn the midnight oil, but we're not great at taking our kids to the cinema on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, and, you know, little things like that that always resonated with me was, yeah, we, we kind of get the balance wrong often. Um, and what, what we found on this journey over the last few years is you don't necessarily have to sacrifice to succeed. Um, you can actually be a better entrepreneur if you take time out and, you know, focus on the things that matter and then go back to your work refreshed, you know, thinking creatively and actually having better ideas. And people who get that balance right for me are the people that I admire because I think it goes against the grain. It's actually quite hard to be able to say no. And uh, there's definitely a culture of, you know, particularly in Silicon Valley, but certainly in the UK as well, of just working, you know, working, 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 and actually, you know, to what end? You know, it doesn't always create great results. So I think that's yeah. that's always a challenge is to be able to say no. Totally agree. Uh, in fact, some, someone, uh, one of my guests, uh, you know, recommended this uh, seven-day weekend book. I, I just picked it up uh, a couple of weeks back. Yeah, I think it's it's so. I mean, I get so fascinated by books like the Seven Day Weekend, uh, Four Hour Work Week from Tim Ferriss, and mm-hmm. which, which essentially helps you focus more on what you really want to do, 
in you know and takes your focus off of you know uh, the, the 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 traditional ways of doing business and you know going going to work and doing business the way everyone does it today yeah, <laughs> yeah. i've got another one another book for your list if you if you're keen to add to it um there's a great book called winning without losing uh-huh uh so it's a friend of mine martin biagard he's a, a serial entrepreneur started um Many companies, including Startup Bootcamp and uh, Rainmaking Loft, which is a, a co-working space in London, and some publishing companies. But yeah, he, he basically went around the world interviewing uh, about 20 successful entrepreneurs who'd turned over billions, of, uh, millions of dollars in the company, but still managed to balance that. Um, you know, I, the idea behind the book is how to win in business without losing in life. And he interviewed people from you know founders of Threadless, Tony Shea from Zappos, um, and some other great entrepreneurs who share some great strategies and tips for for how to do it and actually how to do it in a way that creates more value for the business, not less. Nice. I'll take a note of that. You know, this is one thing I really like doing, decoding and encoding habits. I'm a firm believer of the fact that you can get a lot. All right. That brings us to the end of part one of this two-part series. We learned how Lawrence looks at success and what he looks for in people he wants to learn from. Lawrence also talks about the people who've impacted him the most and influenced him the most. In the next episode, episode 013, I asked Lawrence four questions about his encoding ability, the biggest mistakes he's been seeing startups make, his favorite ways to self-learn new things, and he describes how he would train me in four weeks to launch a product business if I paid him a million dollars. Would would he do a personal training for me if if he had a million bucks online? Let's figure out. Stay tuned. You can find the show notes at www.designyourthinking.com slash episode 012. If you like listening to this episode, let us know by heading over to iTunes, subscribing to this podcast, and leaving us a rating and review. No, I really mean it. If... It only takes hardly about 2 minutes and 23 seconds to do that. So please, please head over there to designyourthinking.com slash iTunes and leave me a rating and review. Again, I hope you enjoyed this new episode format, the conversation, and hope you found things useful and hope you can put some things to action. All right, that's all, folks. Let's make, learn, and change the world every day till I see you in the next episode with the second part of this conversation. Stay tuned, stay inspired. Before I close the show, I have something for you. I just launched a contest and I'm giving away five T-shirts and one Alexa-powered Amazon Echo Bluetooth speaker. Yes, that you heard me right. All you need to do to win one of them is these three things subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to this podcast right now on your itunes app i mean if it's your iphone or ipad or mac go to the itunes app subscribe to the podcast and number two leave me a rating and review in the app go give me your best review because i'm going to pick the best review every friday to give out a t-shirt And finally, go and subscribe to my newsletter. Go to www.designyourthinking.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom and click the button and give your email address and subscribe to my uh, newsletter. You'll get a welcome email from me. Hit reply 
let me know that you've done all the three steps and that's it you stand a chance to win one t-shirt every friday and on thanksgiving i am going to pick uh, i'm going to go through the list one more time and pick one of you to give away this special alexa powered amazon echo I really hope to see you around and I want to really really give this t-shirt to each one of you. See you around. Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com.